Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Sometimes people will tell you to do something and you don't do it and then you do it after a while and you're like, I don't care why I didn't do it from the beginning. That was really silly of me. Like getting Ibotta, getting the app Ibotta, I-B-O-T-T-A, which will earn you cash back. So... Right now, Ibotta, I-B-O-T-T-A, is offering my listeners $5 off just by trying Ibotta by using the code NOTSKINNY when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use code NOTSKINNY. That's Ibotta, I-B-O-T-T-A, in the Google Play or App Store and use the code NOTSKINNY. This is Amanda Hirsch from the Not Skinny But Not Fat podcast. You might know me from Not Skinny But Not Fat on Instagram, where I spend my time talking about reality TV, celebrities, everything happening, and pop culture. I also talk to some of our favorite celebs and reality TV stars. We talk about what's going on. Tune in every Tuesday and just feel like you're talking with your best friends in your living room. Hello, Zoe, Lister Jones. <laughs> Hi, how's it going? I'm good. How are you? I'm pretty good. How terrible is that construction noise? Did you just hear that? I didn't. I mean, I'm in. New- are you in New York? No, I'm in LA. Oh, I was gonna say New York always has sounds. I don't hear the construction though. Wonderful. Oh, good. But you're a New York girly. Like you grew up in New York, right? I grew up in Brooklyn. Yeah. So what's the L.A. life like in comparison? You know, as a native New Yorker, I always was like, I would never like, how dare anyone? (laughs) And then I got a job here like a decade ago acting and I was just like an immediate convert and like then just came back to New York and was like, y'all are foolish. (laughs) Really? Why? And you started saying y'all too after you moved? No, but tell me, I'm a New Yorker and like, I always like, there's some sort of itch, but it's like, unless I'm forced to, I probably won't. So try convert us. Like why? I can't believe you neglected who you are. (laughs) I betray myself daily, sometimes three to four times a day. I no, I I would never say y'all are foolish. I would say you all are suckers. No, I'm just kidding. I, I love New York. Like, and and truly the, the great life that I have now is, is that I am bi-coastal. Like I like to spend as much time in in New York as I can while also maintaining a life in LA. Cause I think that they each have 
such incredible things to offer. And this is like one of the most boring LA dinner party conversations, <laughs> like LA versus New York. I just feel like being raised in New York, my nervous system is fucked. <laughs> yeah. and, and I'm sure that the nervous system of LA kids is fucked in a different way. But when I got here, it just felt like a lifestyle that like calmed me that I think I needed. And like, I, I never ever had a backyard my entire life. And like, just to have a backyard is something that is like, <laughs> cool. <Yeah. laughs> you know, you don't fancy fire escapes. <laughs> you don't like that. Oh, I fancy it. An FE, but no, you know, I think they both look, there's also totally different, like modes of socializing that I think are each cool for different reasons. Like New York is such an immediate and spontaneous place to like meet people and see people. And, and I miss that when I'm here. And then when I'm in New York, I sort of miss the like solitude, (laughs) the solitude and (laughs) the intentionality of like everyone come over for dinner and we have like a nice space to host and you know, all that shit. Yeah. No, the reason I asked the boring dinner party question, thank you. <laughs> I was not saying your question was boring. I was saying, I feel like I'm like a broken record because I talk about this so much. Was because you give kind of New York. Like when I saw that you were like born and raised in Brooklyn, it like it made sense. Where thank in you. Brooklyn? <laughs> if you said I gave LA, I would be deeply offended. Right. See, <laughs> see, right. <laughs> so LA. Yeah. It's bad. I, I was raised in like the ed, like the sort of border between Park Slope and Sunset Park. My mom called it Park Slip. But yeah, and then I moved to Ditmas Park in high school. And, and then I went to NYU. And, and I didn't leave New York until I was 29. That is crazy that you stayed in New York for college. Because I feel like as a New Yorker, other people, like we were all kind of like, let's get out of New York for college and have that college experience of like the lawns and the dorms. Mm-hmm. But you like stayed in New York. Yeah, I think it was sort of a Stockholm syndrome situation, but. (laughs) And did you dorm? Did you dorm and stuff? I dormed my freshman year. And then like, because both my parents are artists, like they had, none of their friends were ever had enough money to buy anything, but they all had like rent controlled, (laughs) like situations in New York that I ended up like getting some pretty cool hookups of sublets, like for the rest of my time in college but I would like go visit my friends on actual campuses and I was totally envious of that like a little jealous yeah and you went to NYU for acting yeah so you knew your whole life you wanted to be an actress no and and in fact like when I got into acting school I didn't want to go and my mom sort of told me that I had to because I got a scholarship (laughs) oh you got a scholarship too damn but it was more like that I always like loved performing I was very shy as a child and my mom put me in acting classes I think to help combat my shyness and then but because both my parents are artists and were broke my whole life and were sort of perpetually heartbroken by all of the rejection that they were facing as artists I, there was no part of me that like romanticized the life of an artist, particularly an actor. Like I was like, that looks like a hard as hell and impossible to make a living. And I was like a pretty practical kid being like, I don't want this kind of instability, but like in a reverse situation, my mom was like, no, go do it. <laughs> you know, you should. Cause 
I did love it. You know, I just was afraid of putting all my eggs into that basket. But it worked. And then, yeah. And then I did make a living from it. And that was like such a wild <laughs> turn of events. <laughs> wow. I love hearing those stories. Are you an only child? Yeah, I have two half siblings, half sisters in in Canada, but I was raised in New York as an only child. Did you like it? Did you want? want, No, because I have one son, and I'm like, should should you should you be one? So whenever I meet an only child, I'm like, give me the benefits. Tell me. Okay, the benefits are. I think you like. Well, I don't know if it's a good thing, but I think you do sort of grow up faster because you're being treated as an adult at an earlier age and you don't have any companionship (laughs) 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 am i selling it well but you're uh, like hanging out you're hanging out i was hanging out with a lot of adults but that was also like my my parents were just like that like i was just being they didn't have a ton of childcare, so i was just being brought to like you know all their stuff but i also think that's cool like especially like in new york like a kid being exposed to cool stuff is it builds so much character and texture and i think you know, informed who I am as an artist in lots of ways. Like, I will say that my, (laughs) I would advocate having only one child as an adult who has, who doesn't have children and has witnessed (laughs) the difference in the lives between my friends who have one child, my friends who have more than one child. Right, right. So you're saying not, not as an only child you recommended, Mm -hmm. but as like, yeah, as like adults who have one kid and it's just fucking easier. Yeah. Yeah. Like my friend once said, having a second kid is it's like you're drowning and someone throws you a baby. <laughs> oh, my God. oh, my God. Oh, my God. Thank. Well, thank you. No problem. I was leaning. <laughs> and then I but right growing up in New York, it's also like crazy. Do you ever think, wow how crazy is it that I'm okay? Because yes. did you also like try drugs pretty early and stuff like that? You know, interestingly, I didn't because my parents were, I think like, <laughs> sorry, mom and dad, like experimented with a lot of their own drug use, <laughs> like not, not recklessly, but like, I they think sound like hippies. They yeah. sound like hippie ish. They were, they were, yeah, they still are very, groovy folks. <laughs> and so I think like my way of establishing some sense of control in my world was to go the opposite route was to like, not do drugs. Like I was straight edge until Oh my God, I remember that word. Do remember? people still use it? I don't, I don't think so. And I'm aging okay. myself. Remember, yeah. But I was like, I, I like, I was very afraid of a lack of control. And so, and I was also, I had a lot of older friends and they were all doing a lot of drugs. And I was sort of like the sober watch person for Uh, them when they were like on their LSD trips. And I was going to say, I've been a sober, well, I would never, like, I didn't never try that, but I was that person. I was like, you take this, like maybe LSD (laughs) and I'll make sure you're alive. And then it ended up like not even being a real shit. And they would like grow up. (laughs) When I first smoked pot, I said, Jewish prayer. <laughs> because Which one? I mean, I, I'm Jewish, but I don't think I'd know it. It's called Shehefianu. It's it's what you say the first the first time you do something. And you said you said Shehefianu vegano or something. Yeah, that's right. Well, I'm Israeli, so I can make I okay, can say the word. That's it. Shehefianu vegano lasmanaze. That's right. To smoke pot. That's right. 
And then I told my rabbi, I was not raised extra religious. I was raised in like a very groovy, like egalitarian synagogue. But like, I, I did, I told, <laughs> told my rabbi and I told my mom. <laughs> Wait, I'm dead at the, I'm dead at the prayer. Okay. Everyone was obsessed with Bridgerton. Like everyone, no one was not watching that show. And now there is a new show. Okay. It's called Queen Charlotte, a Bridgerton story. And it's out on Netflix and you need to watch it because it's centered on Queen Charlotte's rise to prominence and power. And it's like a prequel to Bridgerton. And it tells the story of how the young queen's marriage to King George sparked this great love story, but also a societal shift creating the world of the ton inherited by the characters in Bridgerton. So don't miss it. Queen Charlotte watch now only on Netflix. The reviews are in and everyone is freaking loving it because it's based on the origins of the historical figure, Queen Charlotte, but it's historical fiction. So don't worry. It gets just as spicy, just as hot and all the things you can expect by Shonda Rhimes, who's, you know, wrote the show and also serves as the executive producer. So don't you worry. It's a love story that inspired all love stories and literally will just be so hot. There is such good chemistry. There is sex. There is romance. There is scandal. There is everything. Okay, you guys. So check it out. Queen Charlotte, a Bridgerton story. It's on Netflix. Watch now on Netflix. It's all about that bitch. About that bitch. No trouble. It's all about that bitch. Talking about. The luggage base. I know I post about it. Everyone starts screaming. Base is like the Beatles of luggage. It's literally insane. I feel so chic when I travel with my base carry on. I know that it'll fit no problem in the overhead luggage. I know that everywhere I go, it'll be the most convenient way to travel. I love the cushion handle. I love the compartments. They make it so easy to pack. They keep me organized. It looks like I'm organized, which is a lie. I am not, but it makes it look that way. And I feel like that, you know, one step closer to being just as cool as Shay Mitchell, who created Base, and she created it to make sleek and affordable bags, luggage, and accessories designed to help you travel effortlessly while looking shake. And also it's affordable, you know, so whether you're packing for a quick trip or looking to breeze through the security line, base has you covered right now. Base it's spelled B E I S is offering my listeners 15% off your first purchase by visiting base travel.com slash not skinny, go to base travel.com slash not skinny for 15% off your first purchase. That's base B E I S travel.com slash not skinny. And you'll get 15% off all your luggage needs. Don't miss out base travel.com slash not skinny. So you grew up Jewish though. Yeah, I grew up. My mom was the president of our synagogue and um, I grew up Yeah, going to synagogue every Saturday. And it was like a beautiful experience in community. We had a woman rabbi, a woman cantor. It was a very queer congregation. And like, it was all like gender neutral God language. Like it was a very cool place to experience spirituality. And so many of my Jewish friends who are like, I hate synagogue because they were like dragged there against their will. I just have a, a totally different relationship wow. to it. Yeah. 
Do you still do you do like the holidays and like the things still? I still do the holidays. I'm I don't go to synagogue on the weekends, but there's a great synagogue in LA that, with this amazing rabbi named Sharon Browse, and, and I, whenever I do go, I feel like really about it. nourished. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I haven't been in years. Do you like do Yom Kippur and stuff like fast? I go to synagogue on Yom Kippur and I do not fast. <laughs> yeah. You know what I started doing instead of not eating food though, which doesn't count, but yeah. I'm like, God gets it. I do a digital <laughs> fast. That's actually so much more impactful. <laughs> right. I'm like not eating, excuse me, not like being on my phone, not going on social media. That's amazing. I want to do that because, you know, low key, like I'm fasting every day. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what do you mean? I mean, I don't eat gluten. I don't eat dairy. I don't eat. I don't eat. Oh, nightshades. she's LA. Oh my God, nightshades. Mm. I didn't even Google what that is. Potatoes, eggplant, tomatoes, peppers. Is it because of like Jewish tummy issues? Yeah. Or is it deeply. because of like? Oh, it is deeply Jewish tummy issues, but also like I. There's no way. I also have like body image issues for sure. Well, like I you know, just looked at your body for a really long time. So whatever you're doing is working. I mean, yeah. So I watched like not, I watched like four episodes of slip. It's Zoe's new show on Roku, which by the way, I just want to tell everyone you're welcome. Roku for the free ad is it's so much easier than you think because there's a Roku app. You don't have to get the fucking thing. But thank you for sending it to me. You're welcome. It's so cute. <laughs> but like you can download the app like you would download like a Netflix and then it's free. It just yeah. has like a couple ads. It's not even a big deal. You can also just like go to the Roku channel.com on, on your laptop and it's totally free. Oh, yeah. I'm not a laptop watcher, but you could. I'm yeah. like, I need it like on the screen. Me too. But it's so good. Like the trailer obviously got me. <laughs> But the show is even more fun and it's like 30 minute episodes. So it's super like a quick, fun binge, but also has like such depth and makes you question your life and your marriage. No problem. Thank you. So so tell so tell us about a little bit about Slip, which you wrote, directed or starring in. Yeah. Well, thank you for all those kind things. It really means so much to me. I it's totally my baby. (laughs) And uh, yeah, it, it follows a character named May, played by me, who, when we meet her, is feeling very stuck in her marriage and one night ends up cheating on her husband and then wakes up the next morning to discover that she's now married to the guy she cheated on her husband with. And over the course of the season, comes to realize that through orgasm, she's being transported into the multiverse. (laughs) Into like another dimension. Yeah. So every episode, basically, she's fucking her way into all of her parallel lives and relationships. <laughs> did you come up with this entire, did you write this entire script yourself? Yeah, I wrote all seven episodes in quarantine. I feel like I've, I've always been a person who like anyone I meet that I have like even a modicum of attraction towards, I flash forward to an entire life with. <laughs> and, and I <laughs> thought it would be so fun to like actually play those fantasies out and as a way to sort of explore like the human nature of restlessness in any relationship and what we do with those fantasies and what we do with that desire for more and to do it like through the lens of sex and sexuality, particularly like 
female sexuality. Cause I also in quarantine was like, I want to watch like a show that turns me on and also speaks to all of these feelings that are bubbling up inside of me. Wait, do you know that what you just said? Cause the first part I was like, yeah, like got that. And then the second part that you said, which was that the idea came to you from the fact that you meet somebody or a little bit attracted and then envision the life. I didn't even think about that watching, but it makes total sense. Like, I, I totally get what you're saying. <laughs> and there is that. I mean, it's not like sci-fi. There is that like little right like part of it, which like she's she's going into different universes. Yeah. I don't really feel that it's like sci-fi ish. But like when you're saying that, that makes total sense. Like we do that. And also, I feel like it brings in which I wanted to ask you how what you think about that and what you're trying to say. Maybe we'll, I'll get to it by the end is like when you're with someone for a long time, you get kind of bored, you see someone hot, whatever, you're like, mm, this would be way more fun. But then is the point that it won't be way more fun? Like it'll end up just be watching TV every night? Like, is that, is that it? Like, are we doomed? <laughs> I mean, I think that like the, one of the themes of the show that I wanted to explore was, was yeah, like the misguided attempt at finding that sense of inner safety or satisfaction in someone else because we will never <laughs> like and if we're constantly looking for it in another person i think we are sort of doomed you know have i put those lessons into practice uh, hell no <laughs> but it's a good thing to think about <laughs> and, and i think like i did want to make a show that allowed people to feel less alone in those feelings, like in those feelings of, of restlessness or dissatisfaction, I was with my partner for a really long time and we split up in, in quarantine. And so I think a lot of those big sort of existential questions were like very loud, you know, in my, in my mind when I was writing this about where we find that, that comfort and what, what home means to each of us. Yeah. So it was after like, 17 years that you were with yeah person yeah so that that drew inspiration for slip yeah i was i was i conceived of it before we split up but there were yeah i think it was me wrestling with a lot of those questions as we were still together and then after the break how did it happen that you did you know immediately that you wanted to be may yeah yeah. And You're I like, fuck that shit. I'm not going to give this to somebody else. <laughs> yeah. Like being an actor is rough. <laughs> you know? And, and I think what's so exciting about being able to write your own parts is that you get to write the parts of your dreams and oftentimes like parts that wouldn't be offered to me otherwise. And I always knew I wanted to direct it too. Like I love the intersection of writing, directing, acting. I How does that so happen? Fun. How physically? Like when I think through a director, <laughs> I'm like, the director is like, go over there, like cut, blah, blah, blah. So you're in the scene. So mm -hmm. tell me how, do you have someone like an assistant director that's like the one standing outside of the frame? What I does have, it look like? So there's like monitors and at, and then there's like the set where you're acting. And usually a director is at the monitor with their cinematographer and their producer and a script supervisor and all of their team. So all those people are at monitor. And it is important to have a producer that you really trust who can be at monitor so that, you know, I can call out and say, like, anything else, I'm good to move on. I, I generally am not, like, 
asking a lot of questions of them, but I am, when I'm ready to move on, I make sure that everyone at monitor is good to move on too, because I am not watching from monitor. They also like, I have a mini monitor that they'll bring me to set so that if I need to see something back, I can watch what, what you call playback. But we shot all seven episodes in 36 days, which is a really tight schedule. So there wasn't a lot of time for me to be doing that. But luckily, like I had written and directed and acted films before. So I already had like sort of worked those muscles and understood how to do it. And and I think it is so much reliant on preparation. Like I work so intensively with my team and my cinematographer, my production designer, my costume designer leading up to the shoot so that like there's not one question unanswered and that the vision is so clear so that like when we are actually on set, they know exactly what they're executing and elevating and all the cool things that they do. How weird was it doing the sex scenes? Or not weird <laughs> at all, maybe. No, it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like very naked and yeah. and yeah, directing directing naked is a whole new ball game. <laughs> And also I wasn't, you know what I was thinking? I was like, okay, I get, I can, you know, understand the like being naked mm. that you can get comfortable with maybe, but then the orgasm part, which yeah. you have to do a lot, mm. was that <laughs> less or more awkward than being naked? And like, did it make people laugh? Like what, what was the vibe? Luckily the set was so safe and comfortable. Like otherwise it would have been you know, a terror. And I think that was like my responsibility to set that tone. I think the fact that because I was also the writer and creator and director, like a lot of the terrible history that oftentimes like women have being like sexually objectified in those circumstances, I could protect myself against because I was in ultimate control of the, of the, the situation. But, but like everyone still, you can feel the nerves on set because sex is scary and sex is vulnerable. And especially I think in this country, like there's so much stigma and taboo around it. And I think part of my intention in making a show that had a woman's orgasm at every center was to destigmatize it and was to be like, what if we could be turned on and look at a woman in this context who is also like a mess and like, and horny and doesn't know what the fuck she's doing with her life and being silly and and very successful and like to just like demystify it in a way that would make people less like giggly or uncomfortable right. and it, it, it was wild like in post it was more wild like in post-production because like i would have to sit in a room of mostly men like who are like doing the sound mix <laughs> And like mix the levels of my orgasm and we all be watching the fake orgasm on screen. Yeah. And it was like terrifying. And at first you could just feel like everyone's shoulders go up to their ears. But then like the second and third time we were like <laughs> watching it through and then you watch it through so many times. Yeah. By the end, it was kind of this amazing journey that we'd all been on together to be like, oh, we're all cool with this. Like this is just a yeah. normal part of life. And I can see you as my boss and I can see you naked on screen <laughs> you know yeah normalize that guys in, yeah. in your lives your character may in the show says i think in in one of the first times she she has sex with someone other than her husband she says like i've never had this before like about mm. an orgasm right yeah she says she's never come from this before because he goes down on her oh, and so this. yeah 
Yeah. Like I, I do think there's a lot of women that have sexual awakenings later, like in their thirties and we don't totally talk about it. I think there's so much pressure on women in their twenties to like have a lot of embodiment or access to their sexual pleasure. And I personally struggled with that a lot in my twenties. And I know a lot of friends who did too. And I think, yeah, I wanted to create a story that where we could look at like a woman who, who had struggled with like sexual intimacy and coming and then like found it and was like, Oh shit, I'm, I'm transported into different universes. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. This is what I was. No, I think that's so important too, Zoe. Cause because so many women don't talk about it, you mm. know, and, and sometimes because they don't talk about it, they never orgasm because yeah. they're not speaking up about it. They're not telling their partner yeah. what to do or what not to do. And it's crazy, like friends or so many people that I've talked to that, you know, not even, oh, I don't come from this and I come from this, but even in general, not ever have come and I think it's such a, or, or a lot of women just about the, the having a man go down on you. So yeah. many women feel uncomfortable with yeah. that. And it's like, do you not like it for real? Which is fine. Or do you not like it? You know, because of internalized shame, which like there have been so many moments in all of our lives, just growing up where it's like kids on the playground or just things about smells and all of the things like that are mean about vaginas, you know, that have like, those things are impossible not to internalize. And so like, I do think, yeah, that's such a gift. If you can like release the shame of those things and allow for yourself to be open to pleasure, but it's so complicated. And also like the female orgasm is really complicated. Like it's so not cut and dry. And, and <laughs> so I think that's also something that we don't, talk about all that often and sort of how to how to explore that and ask for what you need. I love that. You guys, did you know that Macy's has a live every Tuesday and Thursday at 12 p.m. and 4 p.m.? The lives are hosted by top fashion and beauty experts and influencers, and they cover everything you need to express your personal style. So tune into Live Style for inspo and insights on how to make the latest trends work for you and to find new twists on your go-to faves. And check out Live Beauty for insider tips on new beauty releases, how-tos, and must-have products that your routine needs right now. And check out even more at Live Home, Live Gifts, and Live Specials. So tune in live, watch all previous episodes, and get a sneak peek at upcoming episodes at Macy's.com slash Macy's Live. Macy's Live is also available on the Macy's app because, as you know, Macy's loves making things easy for you. Plus, Memorial Day is just around the corner and Macy's has everything you need to get the whole crew together and soak in the summer sun. You need outdoor and patio furniture? No prob. Pool-ready sandals, totes, swimsuits? Check, check, and check. Plus, check out Macy's red, white, and blue shop to get the mood board going. For the 4th of July, head on over to Macy's.com. That's Macy's.com. You know, I'm a ho for HelloFresh. Hook me up. Hook me up. I can't cook. It's not in my cards, 
being a mom didn't change it. Nothing's going to change who I am. And HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. Thank you very, very much. And HelloFresh makes dinner time super easy with options that will please everyone at your table. They have fit and wholesome options. They have pescatarian. They have veggie. They have any meal plan that you want that would suit your lifestyle. And no worries if you're not a pro in the kitchen because they have foolproof recipes. It's all pre-portioned and it's easy to prepare in just a few steps. So don't worry if I can do it. You can. What I love is they care about quality. So they have seasonal ingredients. They're picked at their peak ripeness and they travel from the farm to your home in less than seven days. So you know they are fresh, you guys. So listen, HelloFresh is the way to go. Stop trying to cook. You can't cook. Okay. You know who you are. Go to HelloFresh.com slash NotSkinny16 and use code NotSkinny16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping. That's a wild deal. HelloFresh.com slash NotSkinny16 and the code is NotSkinny16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. I know that Dakota Johnson's production company produced this. Mm -hmm. So how did this happen? Are you friends from before or? I didn't know Dakota before. We were working on another project together. We're still working on it. And Dakota and her partner, Ro Donnelly, who run Tea Time Pictures, which is their production company, were like, we were all at dinner one night with our other producer, Katie. and, And I said, like, they were talking about like wanting like something that was like, a fun, like sexy series. <laughs> and I was like, casually, I have seven episodes written of something. <laughs> <laughs> casually. <laughs> Wait, but is that weird? Because, you know, in business, it's weird, right? Like, did you have that in the back of your mind? Were you uncomfortable to bring it up to her? Cause you didn't want to seem like I'm just kind of doing this dinner. Cause I have something to pitch. Like, how do you navigate those things? I was nervous pitching it for sure. And I'm like, so terrified probably as like new yorkers like we never want to be thirsty (laughs) like there's so much pride oh my god yes i i think like yeah i was scared and i was also like it's a very personal show and i was like scared to just when you deliver seven episodes to somebody like they either gonna love it or they're gonna not love it you know like you're not pitching like an idea that can then be torqued it's like (laughs) it's literally ready and they loved it and then and that was amazing. And Dakota's an incredible partner and like the coolest person. And now I consider her a friend and and I feel so lucky that, that she's just been such a huge support of this. And like, she texted me the other day, like I've never been on social media more. Like she's just like such a proud like mama of like posting all of the slip content. Aww. And, and I think she is just so proud of the show and it it feels like a real like family. Like we, we really built it with very little and and Roku was amazing too like they brought it to Roku and gave them all seven scripts and Roku gave us a green light to series with not one script note which is unheard of and like just gave me all of the freedom to just make the exact show that I wanted which is a dream wow that is a dream does that mean that there is no possibility for a season two have you thought about it well, funny you should ask. <laughs> season two is written. Roku has not given us a green light to shoot it, but they did give us a green light to start a writer's room, which we did 
a few months ago and and now have all episodes written. So fingers crossed. <laughs> oh my we get god. Wait, was was the first season like in the writer's room as well? No, the first season I wrote by myself. And it then becomes a whole production. Well, I think season two, they were like, Do you want to write it by yourself? And I was like, I'm tired. <laughs> So I had I I had an outline for what I wanted season two to be, and we had a small room. We just had three writers, and it was a really fast room. It was five weeks. Like that's like it was a very expedited process. But I think I was very clear on what I wanted it to be and the themes I wanted to explore, and we banged it out. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> and, and so yeah, I'm really excited. It's it's like oh my god, that's so cool. So yeah. we're waiting for the great like there's we're waiting for the final. But I feel like Roko is gonna. I I'm hope like, so. I'm like, Roku will do it. You know that. I'm like, from your, from your mouth to the Roku God's ears. <laughs> from my mouth to the Roku God's ears. I love that you have those little Jewish sayings. I also <laughs> recently saw you on A Good Person, Zach oh, yeah. Braff. Yeah, I know he was on the podcast. He was on the podcast. How cute, how sweet is Zach Braff? The like, sweetest. what is that? Uh, so I know. Sweet. What is that? What is that? And I loved you on it. I feel like oh. it was a surprise, you know, for me that you were on it because. You know, I kind of went in to watch. I was like, oh, I know that Flo is in it. And I know mm -hmm. Morgan Freeman. But you were such a fun little surprise. So oh, was that. Thanks. How did that happen? Like you, you getting on the movie. Was it like Zach called you up? No, I auditioned. I'm still, Damn. I'm still auditioning, y'all. So we're trying again. to get off our only about that recently. <laughs> I'm like, bitch, I want like if I would be an actress, I'd be like off her only. For sure. I would love to be offer only. <laughs> I still am not currently. That's why I only offer to myself. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just auditioned. Like I put myself on tape and Zach watched the tape and I got the part and I didn't know him personally. I didn't know Flo personally. And and then, yeah, it was such a like an amazing set. And Zach is so talented as a filmmaker. And Flo is obviously like one of the great actors of our generation. and. Morgan Freeman and Molly Shannon like it was just a dream situation just to be a small part of it yeah no you had a really cool role you played her sponsor mm -hmm. and as a former straight edge you probably <laughs> had, some, had some experience no it was a super it was a super cool role you guys should watch that too so for slip Emily Hampshire is in it as one of the as one of your partners mm. and you know we kind of all know her and love her from Schitt's Creek. Yeah. Did you know her and love her from there? Is that how you got her on? Yeah, I I love her on Schitt's Creek. I think she's so funny. And yeah, she just seemed like a great fit for the role. Because like, I think what, what's cool about everyone, each role is that many of these people get to play two sides of a person, like the the honeymoon phase of a person and then the yes. like when the shit hits the fan <laughs> phase of a relationship and mm -hmm. so like it was I thought Emily would be able to do that so brilliantly which she does in the show of like the seductress you know in stage one and then like <laughs> like the sort of like lesbians with kids who are like just trying to stay afloat <laughs> like want to murder each other <laughs> and we just had so much fun and she's such a like gem of a human being I know she seems like so fun and, you know, now that we've been talking more about slip, it's like I'm it's really getting me thinking even more than when I was actually watching it, <laughs> because I'm going back to that question of but are we doomed? And mm. your answer was 
Your answer was vaguely, not- <laughs> vaguely doomed. <laughs> your answer was like you can't rely on another person for kind yeah. of, you know, which great. But <laughs> I think also there's kind of doomage because it kind of means like the honeymoon phase won't last forever. And every person, even if they seem fucking cool and badass and like they want to fuck in the bathroom, you'll end up watching TV on the couch. (laughs) Yeah, but I do. You know, I am like a real romantic and I'm not cynical about that. Like, I I actually don't think it's doomed. And and I have I have faith in love. Monogamy. (laughs) I mean, I I don't even think it's about monogamy. Like I I have experimented with non-monogamy, too. Like, I just think that it is about you do have to work on your own shit and that doesn't mean alone necessarily. It just means like a willingness to be able to face patterns that might not be serving you in a relationship. And my multiple therapists, <laughs> I'm in group therapy and individual therapy. <laughs> like with, with people you don't know. Yeah. It's really amazing. But, but like both of my therapists say that oftentimes, like a lot of people are like, I need to just like, leave this relationship and work on me. And sometimes that is absolutely the case. There are also times when a relationship is an amazing place to also work on you and, and to test some of like the patterns that you might want to be investigating in relationships. So I don't think it's doomed. I just think it, it takes work and, and some people are just not meant to be together. Like, and that's okay too. And that takes bravery to also say like, I'm going to exit, you know, and I believe there is more. And I believe there is someone who can fulfill these needs in a different way. Where did you film the show? I wanted to know. We filmed it in Toronto. It takes place in New York, but then we had a couple of days in New York. So we like shot, you know, all of our little New York pieces. Oh, so you did like external stuff in New York a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. But a lot in Toronto. I was also, you know, what other question it brought up for me, Zoe? Hmm. multi-hyphenate do you like that people call you multi-hyphenate or when people call people with two last names that oh you like it <laughs> yeah well i mean it, it has it is but like it has many meanings. i know oh because i have a hyphenated last name and i'm a multi-hyphenate <laughs> true <laughs> but i do like it yeah I, I i'm proud of it i like it and like zoe lister jones is really a good name we're Thank also going to talk about your hair for a minute because i feel like it's important but i wanted to <laughs> ask you because this is another question that was brought up to me mm. f- from the show do you think in general from your experience I feel like a lot of these shows because like you know sex life on Netflix also yes. came out explores kind of a similar mm-hmm. thing which is like woman in her marriage kind of feeling like you know so it got me thinking like are the women are women more like in their heads you know, kind of thinking about other paths and, and, and restlessness and everything. And are men like more complacent and they <laughs> less think about it? I think it's so hard to like divide the world into those binaries because I do think like, you know, there are, everyone contains so many multitudes. I do think that like when I, when, when in terms of fantasy, like in terms of the flash forwarding to a life together, I do think that is distinctly characteristic of women. <laughs> yeah. I like I, I don't think that a ton of dudes are doing that. <laughs> or like doing the whole, the whole flash forward. No, I think they're like 
planning a way to fuck and then exit. <laughs> and also the other thing you said was like, and you said this in this interview, cause you turned 40 recently, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Heard it's a great decade, by the way, heard it's really great. And you have been saying like women in their thirties are having these sexual awakenings. Mm-hmm. I'm hearing it's forties. You know, I love to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready for more. I have really, I would say my 40th birthday is, is my best, best birthday to date. And I okay. spent it alone. <laughs> what? Which is in Italy. It's the only time I've ever spent a birthday alone. The day itself. Like I, mm. I went to Italy. I met my mom in Venice, like, like got us a really beautiful, fancy hotel. And we went and saw all this art and then drove myself to like a six course meal at one of the best restaurants in Italy alone ate it alone and then drove Did you get to, a like, cake with a candle and blow it out 100 and it was and it, it's a michelin starred restaurant it there were like five tables and they all just looked at me alone with my cake and candle but i was that like, must feel like empowering though as fuck it kind of was i was like yeah like this is this is it like this is there are <laughs> so many it. things this, <laughs> this is it, it. this is I it. It. eating cake alone in italy no, and then I and then I drove myself to the coast of Italy, and I spent my actual birthday like on the beach, and it was so empowering. Like, and it was like a real. It felt like a real crossroads for me of like entering into a new stage of that sense of like internal safety. Not saying like I don't want to spend many birthdays with other people, but like that I could do it, and that I had fun, and that I ate pizza for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> how was that how was that jewish tummy it was rough but it was worth it and and then like and then I, the next day i drove and like i had all these girlfriends come and meet me and so i got like the best of all worlds but i will say i'm really enjoying 40 and and i think that for women especially like aging is such a terrifying prospect and i'm enjoying it <laughs> so yeah far. it looks i'm telling you i feel like everyone i i've heard talk about 40 is say that it's like the best it's like the best sex and the best Mm -hmm. you know and i embrace aging you know like i feel like we're we're better now than we were before i think so like and i look at so many of my friends who i think are like they're most beautiful you know now because it this is like so cornball but it does it does come from a sense of like internal love you know like that's what you radiate if you can get there and i think with age that does come yeah i love that zoe lister jones you're the actual (laughs) coolest thank you so much for coming on my show oh my god it's been so much fun go watch slip it's on roku you could go to the website you could download the app to your smart tv you could watch on your laptop super easy free, which please note that it's very important. (laughs) It's very important. No, there's not no fees, no fees involved. And it's a really good show. Thank you, Zoe. Thank you so much. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Not Skinny But Not Fat. Follow me on Instagram at Not Skinny But Not Fat. Subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes. Rate the podcast that you love so much on Apple Podcasts and write a little review. If you tell me you did, I'll give you a big virtual smoocheroo. Thank you guys so much for listening and I'll see you next Tuesday.
Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.